Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. So you know the brain is the largest and most important sex organ. So I figured why not work with one of the world experts on optimal brain performance. Today I host my good friend Jim Quick, a world expert in speed reading and memory improvement who has trained everyone from Will Smith to Elon Musk. Plus he's host of the top training podcast, Quick Brain. Whether you want to tap the power of your most important sexual organ or just tired of your lover not remembering your anniversary, this show on memory is one you'll never forget. We talk about how to sharpen and focus your memory, be more present with your partner, the two most costly words in a relationship, and how to lead with your emotions. This is part one, and I'm excited to release part two tomorrow where we actually go through the exercises. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. I'm excited to welcome Roman to Sex with Emily. I get a lot of questions from guys about ED, and Roman is here to help. They're a men's health company that offers online diagnosis and monthly delivery of medication. I'll tell you all about it later in the show. To save $50 off your first month, visit GetRoman.com slash Emily. I've been on a mission to save the world one orgasm at a time. It kind of makes me feel like a sexy superhero, and I guess I always fancy myself as one. But the other day, I got a call, and not to brag, but now I am one. I'm friggin' Lara Croft with a vibrator in my hand, saving the world with the legendary cleanest orgasm. If you don't believe me, check it out on my Instagram. Anyways, here's what happened. Magic Wand, aka the most legendary vibrator on the planet, and UV, the single coolest way to clean and sanitize your toys, They got together, kind of like Batman and Robin, and they said, what if we joined forces and created the most badass, legendary, cleanest orgasm on the planet? And they did it. The Magic Wand Rechargeable bundled with a UV home play featuring me as a cartoon Lara Croft. Thank you to SheVibe for making me look so fierce. So now you can get the Magic Wand Rechargeable, which turns 50 this year. 50? and the UV home play, which kills 99.9% of all harmful bacteria, two awesome products that will change your life in a single bound. Just go to sexwithemily.com slash UV magic to get the legendary cleanest orgasm bundle. That's sexwithemily.com slash UV magic to see it all now. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. A girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. But you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, check out the podcast um, on iTunes. You guys, you know I love reading your comments. I love that you subscribe, and I so appreciate your reviews. So here's our latest review from Gunner401. In the movie Revenge of the Nerds, the 10-looking girl at the end of the movie is astonished at the skill of her ugly nerd lover. She poses the question, How could this be? To which the nerd replies, jocks think of sports all day and nerds think about sex all day. Emily makes it easy to become a nerd about sex, sexuality, and everything else that has to do with sex using the simplicity of a podcast, turning us all into better informed, more skilled, and more compassionate lovers. Rock on, Emily. 
Thank you so much, Gunnar Furwand. That was a great review. I loved it. I want to send him a t-shirt. <laughs> I do. I like you, Gunner for a one. Thank you for that. And you guys, again, we read all your reviews. We appreciate it. It helps the show. And also, I love when you guys check out our website. I have an awesome team, and they're here to tell you about the brain because, you guys, the brain is our largest sex organ, and a lot of times we're focused on our, how we look on the outside, but when our brain is working well, everything else falls into place. So I'm excited for my interview today with Jim, but also Jay Marahue, who works with me, wrote a great series on sex and the brain. She's going to tell you a little bit about it. Hi. Hi. What's up, sweetie? We loved your series. Tell me about your inspiration for it and what people can learn. I wanted to really simplify the different things that can affect our arousal that are pretty dependable in our brain chemistry, in how we're affected by stress, in our hormones, how fatherhood can... <laughs> be turned on or off for our survival. Basically, like your brain is at all times pretty active and it's important to get to know what's going on so you don't make it personal, blame your partner, blame yourself and put all of the attention on the wrong part of yourself when it could be something as simple as your diet or as your body trying to make you less sexual as a man because it wants you to be a better father. I mean, it's really so our fa- So it all goes back to daddy issues? No. <laughs> well, some stuff. Some stuff Maybe does. some of the fun stuff. But um, no, I, it's really interesting how evolution of our brain chemistry in this society is actually balancing things out so that mothers and fathers can both be equally as... Um, Equally capable, as capable parents, yeah, like at and home humans. parents, yeah. So we make it fun, we make it sexy, and make it very digestible in these articles, and try and get you as familiar with your sexy brain as possible. That's good. Thank you. They're awesome. So just go to sextheemily.com and search "sex in the brain." Right, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Anything you want to add? Hi, um, J Dog. Besides no. your birthday coming up, I'm going to roast your ass next week. <laughs> yes, she's turning gonna... twenty five. I know. Oh my I'm gosh. so excited. Uh, but. Yeah, no, I mean, they're really good articles. I really like getting to read them and work on them with Jay. They're just so good and so informative. And there's stuff that even I found out that I had no idea like these. There's one particularly, it's called chemically induced personalities and how there's certain hormones in their, your brain that kind of drive you to be a certain type of person and what you're attracted to. And I think it's just like so interesting and there are really cool gifts in it. So <laughs> that's the only part I really contributed. It's but. a whole package. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks to my amazing team. Since we're always putting out great content, if I do say so myself, check it all out on the website and social media. It's all at sex with Emily on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. So check all that out. And I'm also excited for our April video series. We've got a few did you know videos coming your way in a few weeks just to kind of brush up on your sex 101 game. And if you have specific things you'd like to learn from our other video series, I know you guys have been digging them lately. Let us know. You can tweet me your ideas at sex with Emily or email us feedback at sexwithemily.com. I'm very excited because my good friend Jim Quick is on the show today. Jim is a brain coach, memory coach, and he helps everybody that I know and high performers, people that you probably know, you're like, how'd that person get so smart? I bet Jim Quick might have had something to do with it. Now, we're only friends. He hasn't quite helped me become, um, solve a lot of my challenges around focus and attention and reading, but we're going to do that today. Hi, Jim. Hi, Quick. Emily. It's good to be here. <laughs> 
I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. This is a real treat. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Yeah, I'm excited. So I met Jim a few years ago at a, a book launch for Dave Asprey, mm-hmm. who was also recently on the show. And I remember that it was, you have your house. It was like you had all your superhero. I have a 10 foot Hulk in the backyard, yes. <laughs> a few a few superhero Hulks, a few, not just all Hulks, many things. And you were just cool and awesome. And then you came out to me, you're like, oh, I, I recognize your voice. I literally your said that. Cause I had no idea what you looked like, but I, I heard your voice and I turned around and I, uh, I asked you if your name was Emily. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, yes, and you're the one with the Hulk. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's be friends. So we've been friends. And um, and Jim, I just know what, what you do is so impressive to me that you can actually help people remember things, focus, attention. And I know that that's a challenge for me just in my day-to-day life, but in relationships, mm. in friendships. And right now, I feel that attention is, uh, getting our attention in life is so scarce with everything happening on you know, social media, digital, digitally, we're all distracted all the time. Like I used to think I was just kind of special for feeling ADD, but now everybody in the world is distracted and it does impact all of our relationships. So I thought you could come in today and we could talk about that. And I want just a little bit about your background, about how you became the Jim Quick master that you are. <laughs> I was bitten by a radioactive <laughs> elephant and I have this incredible memory now, but um. Yeah, when it comes to relationships, I believe two of the most costly words are I forgot. You know what I mean? You're like, I forgot I forgot to do it. I forgot I got forgot to bring it. I forgot that conversation. I forgot that person's name. All those I forgot we things. had plans. I made other plans. Exactly. That thing, they show up, you're not there. The yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it's one of those things where you text your significant <laughs> other saying, hey, take the food out of the fridge or the freezer. And then they say, yes, of course. And then you come back and like, nothing was done. Or, you know, you go on, on a, you know, they forget to do things. They forget to uh, turn off the oven. They forget where they put their keys or if not their keys, something larger like their car. Mm-hmm. They see the people in the parking lot and you wonder. But I believe memory lapses, they, they hurt relationships, personal and professional. And so I like to fix people's forgetfulness. I like to help people to focus in a world full of distraction. And I think it helps with their productivity, their performance, and their, uh, their peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like your mind is everywhere nowadays. You know, we're driven to distraction and what do people do? How do they get things done in a world full of app notifications, social media alerts, and, and all these things? Right. Yeah. And exactly. And so the fact that you are able to uh, work with people, and what I was hoping, you know, like I've said, I always joke, because we hang out, we're friends. I'm like, you help everyone, can't you? You know, I'd love to know how to do this, because I feel that I, for so long, I was never able to... Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even focus up. And I think that ADD or whatever you want to call it is sort of a gift, right? There are a lot of creative minds and you, we operate differently in the world, but it's really not, it's been a, it's been a challenge. Like I just assume things about myself. For example, like I can't read, I can't get through this entire book on time. I can't make appointments. I lose my car and my phone and my keys on a daily basis. Not my car because I don't drive as much, but definitely leaving my house. It's like, where are the phones? Where are the keys? And I've studied organization and systems. Mm-hmm. I've been like, have a hook for the keys. You know, Lark, my producer, comes over and she's very gentle about it, but she'll come to me and she goes, maybe if you put a bowl here. You know, like people have, I had therapists for years were like, Maybe if you had one spot in your purse for your keys or you wrote down things. So I've tried with lit and I think a lot of people have tried, they buy the bins and they buy the things to help them get organized. But I think the way that you come at it is very interesting because also I have also come to believe that this is just how I am and there's nothing you can do about it. I think a lot of people think, well, I just don't remember. I wrote it, you know, they just we make assumptions that because we've been doing things this way and our brain works this way, this is how we are. 
we're wrong about that. So that's good. Um, so what I would say is when people see me on stage, uh, they'll see me memorize, like I'll have a hundred people stand up and I'll memorize all their names or they'll give me a hundred, you know, digit number or hundred words and I'll memorize them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people afterwards that I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible because the truth is every single person listening to this right now could also do that and a lot more. It's just, we weren't taught. If anything, I think we were taught a lie a lie that somehow our intelligence, our potential, our abilities uh, somehow fix like our shoe size. And mm -hmm. it's absolutely not true. You right. know, we've discovered more about the human brain. And, you know, when we're talking about relationships, you know, I feel like that, you know, we are in the millennium of the mind. When you're, when people are dating people, it's, you know, it's important. You want to be with somebody, you know, who has more to offer than just, you know, maybe looks or, you know, mm -hmm. something substantial, <laughs> like, right. you know, you don't have to have deep conversations with somebody, right? Because you, you want to stimulate you know, different parts of their body, but you definitely want to stimulate someone's brain. Right, right? exactly. And so, but the challenge is, is, you know, we, we've discovered so much about the human brain and we're grossly underestimating our own capabilities. So, if, you know, really what this conversation is about, is about transcending. It's about ending the trance, ending the trance that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough. So right. I'm, everybody Stopping those, the negative self-talk, I yeah. guess. Yeah, and we could talk about that because everybody here, what we go through, I would love to do this actually with yeah. you because we've always talked about this, is rolling up our sleeves and let's getting into it. You That's know, fixing forgetfulness and memory lapses and focus issues, all the things that could hurt your business, but certainly also your life. I think everybody could relate to this thing where they feel absent-minded, like senior moments are coming too early mm -hmm. or they need to remember people. Like they, they meet somebody and then seconds later, the handshake breaks and then the name just disappears or they they have a fear of public speaking. You and I have shared the stage yes. a number of times, but people get forgetful because they have to give a toast at a wedding or maybe a sales presentation at work and they feel like they're going to get nervous and they're going to not remember the things that they need to remember. So. so why is that? Why is public speaking like the number one fear for people you think? You know where I think it actually came from? So you asked me like how I got started on this journey because my two biggest challenges growing up were learning and public speaking. People don't know that, but my inspiration really was my desperation. When people see me do these mental feats and they hear that I read a book a day or you know I do these things where I can remember things, I always, um, I always tell people that I actually grew up with learning difficulties. A lot of people don't know that when I was a child, I had a very bad head injury. I had brain damage. I had learning difficulties. I was put in special classes and um, I couldn't focus. I had a very bad memory. I, teachers would have to repeat themselves three or four or five times. Uh, and it actually took me an extra four years just to learn how to read because I had so many challenges. I taught myself how to read by actually reading comic books. That's why I love talking about superpowers and, <laughs> and superheroes. Um, because I feel like, like for example, I think you're a modern day superhero. You know, a superhero is somebody who has discovered their superpower. And I don't mean, when I talk about modern day superheroes like yourself and some of, you know, and people who are listening, a superhero is somebody who has discovered and developed their superpowers. That you have a unique ability, a talent, a strength that's uh, that's yours. And, uh, but just having a superpower doesn't make you a superhero. You have to use that power for good, right? You have to right. be able to express it. So you've gone through, you know, through your life, you know, a lot of times our mess becomes our message, right? Our struggles <laughs> become our strength. Yeah. And we learn things through challenges. We get change. And now you learn all these things and you're, you know, paying it forward. You're mm -hmm. sharing it with people who could really benefit so they don't have to go through the same suffering. Right. And I went through suffering. I mean, I, I, all through school, I got very bad grades. I would have worked three times harder than everybody else to get at least, you know, 
bad results. And I thought it was so unfair. But I, why I feel like when it comes to public speaking, I remember when I, I told you it took me, I couldn't read like all the other kids. They would pass around that book. I don't know if everyone oh, like remembers. Like in third grade or something. Right. I remember that. Remember I remember that? sitting getting you to read out loud. Right. That was so, so anxiety. Oh my goodness. I get. I like, do. I just got anxious too. I, yeah. Because yeah, you would get in fast. a circle, just, right? Just slow down. Right. Like I still do. All the kids would get in a circle and you'd have to pass around that book and then they would have to ask you to read out loud. And then, um, and then the book gets closer and closer to you and I get, and I, and it was hard for me because I couldn't read. So I would just look at the page and those words didn't mean anything to me. So I would just actually just, you know, pass the book on and not say anything. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about long-term memory, the key to long-term memory really is this, and you could do this with me, information Mm -hmm. combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. Mm-hmm. Right. Information, Inf- emotion. Right. Okay. Information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. And you know this because, I mean, think about it. You, you probably, there's a song that will take you back to when, you know, years, mm-hmm. you know, when you were a teenager, there was a, there's probably a food or a fragrance. It could be a perfume or a cologne that will mm-hmm. take you back, you know, to when, you know, years ago, because information alone is very forgettable, but information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory in that part of your brain. Right. And so the challenge though, when you go back to school is what was the primary emotion? Like, how did you feel most of all? Like, Stress, anxious, I was right. late, I, I couldn't focus, I couldn't, yeah, yeah, it was hard for me, yeah. Well, you were, con- you know, confused. Like, usually, you know, half the room is usually, you know, bored, the other half of the room is confused, right? But if I was you're, both, yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought everyone else was getting it down, but I was the only one who was confused. Yeah, and you're not alone, because this is this thing, is if you're listening to this right now and you feel overloaded, you feel stressed, you feel like you can't keep up with things, the truth is it's not your fault. It's just we weren't taught. Right. If anything, you know, school taught us what to learn, math, history, science, Spanish, but how many classes were on how to learn, right? How to actively listen, how to study, how to concentrate, how to focus, how to read faster, how to remember things, right? Back in school, they teach you three R's, right? Three R's in school, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Which isn't even spelled right. Right. (laughs) But (laughs) what about- Which is poor, yeah. But the fourth R should have been maybe remembering. Yeah. Right, retention, recall. You know, Socrates says learning is remembering because there is no learning without remembering. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges that we face today is this, we just can't remember things like we used to. Is it, is it because we're distracted so much or we never learn? Cause this is what I'm talking about growing up before cell phones and all that, it was still a challenge. So now I can only imagine I can already feel it, but there's, everyone has challenges now. Yeah. I, think I mean, you schools. mentioned you mentioned smart devices. You know, I feel yeah. like uh, we're outsourcing our brain. They actually call it. There's a new term in healthcare. They call it digital dementia. Digital oh, dementia. Yeah. This is where okay. you're outsourcing your brains to your smart devices, and so your phones. It keeps your calendar. It keeps your to dos. It keeps. It does simple math for you, right? It keeps your your schedule. Maps. Like it, if my ways doesn't work, I don't know if I can get home. Exactly. It, it keeps. It gets you from here <laughs> to there. Um, and it keeps all your phone numbers, you know, and it's true. You can, I don't want to memorize 300 phone numbers, but we've lost the but ability. But you could, if anyone could. This, is, anyway, this yeah. is true. But the um, but the truth is we've lost the ability just to remember one. Like think about how many phone numbers you knew growing up. Right, a lot, all of like them. Like all of them. But how many phone numbers do you know like right now? You know, it's funny, I don't, but there's still like about eight friends that I, mm-hmm. I still know that I see them and I'm like, your phone numbers and I say it to right. them because it's from, yeah, because years it's from, ago. That's it, and otherwise that's the thing, no. Because the truth is everyone here, it's your memory is like a muscle, but it's use it or lose it. If I take my arm and I put it into a sling for six months, would it grow stronger? No. Would it even stay the same? 
what would happen? It would just, it would atrophy. atrophy. It would yeah. get weaker. And that's what's going on with a lot of people's minds because it's use it or lose it. And you want to exercise those mental muscles. And the reason why this is so important this and so timely in this conversation right now is because everybody who's listening to this, you know, for the most part, we're not paid for our brute strength. You know, we're, we're paid and rewarded for our brain strength, right? It's not our muscle power, it's our mind power. And the faster you can learn, the faster you could earn because knowledge is not only power, knowledge is profit. And I don't mean financial profit, that's obvious. We live in this economy, knowledge economy, but it's also you know these ideas where ideas can equal impact and income, but also just the treasures of our life, right? Our health, you know, our, our relationships, because I mean, I'm looking at you know your bookshelf, you have all these books that are there. Mm-hmm. The challenge is how many people get books or go out there and buy books um, and you know, they, it's, they, they stay on the shelf and yep. it becomes shelf help. It doesn't become self-help, right? <laughs> right, it becomes shelf help and then it becomes anxiety help. Not, I don't need any help in that era, but I'm like, oh, I have to read that, I have to read that one. I did read all of these, a lot, most of these sex books in school, but it's like, I don't know how much of them I remember. A lot of them, it was a skimming maybe because I was rushing, but I'm just saying in life, we don't, it's, we don't even have that space in our life to even know how to read. We don't have the habits of sitting down and reading and focusing. Like, I don't even... So when I say like in school, for example, and I think you can relate to this too, is that I I always pulled it off. Like I graduated with honors and I, I did well, but it was with such anxiety. I had to, It took me three times as long to do things. Right. And that anxiety shows up in relationships. It shows up in, yes. our, in our business. It shows up in our family. And, you know, when you're in fight or flight, you know, we talk about public speaking. When people are stressed and you create cortisol and adrenaline in the brain, it's it's good for physical activities maybe, but it's not good if you need to study. It's not good if you need to be present with your lover. It's not good if you need to give a presentation in front of, you know, at the next meeting or a toast at a wedding. And so that shuts down your brain. And so you can't think, it's harder to focus and it makes you more forgetful. Right. And so we live in this world right now where it's like, you know, I talk about superheroes, but I also talk about supervillains. I think there's three supervillains that are attacking us, our brains daily. Okay. Number one, there's it's all digital, right? So number one, it's digital overload, right? There's too much information, too little time. It feels like, like think about it, how many how many emails do you get? So a day? many emails. You know, how many text messages and social media, you know, alerts and 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 notes and stuff like that. So there's too much information. I was doing a program. I heard that the chairman of Google said this that the amount of information that's been created from the dawn of humanity since humans walked the earth to the year two thousand and three, which is only about a decade and a half ago. Right. You know, that amount of information, how long does it take to create that amount of information now? About two days. Every 48 hours. that I'm, so the amount Because of information, we're all putting out information. Yeah, think, about, think about the podcast. Think about the YouTubes. Think about social media. Oh think about God. the blogs. There's yeah. so much information. So the amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds, but how we learn it, how we read it, how we recall it, it's the same. And how do so we that, sift through what, what is even interesting to us and what's important? Exactly. That's a whole nother. Exactly. I mean, and then that's the thing. So somebody will take a book and they'll highlight like everything, right? And then the book like glows in the dark because, you know, but here's the thing. If you make everything important, then nothing is important. You know, we, we talk about the word like priorities, like in your relationship, you need to have priorities and it's plural, but the word priorities was only pluralized only a few decades ago. It used to be just priority. There was just like one important thing <laughs> because if everything's important again, nothing becomes important. And even, I know you talked a lot about too, like note taking, like I was like that in college and think because I labeled it as ADD, whatever I would have to, I did, I always go to library, I had like six different highlighters and everything was in different colors. And I had to like rewrite my note. I mean, just so I could take stuff in. Right. But now it's like, I can't do that. There's a lot coming in. I mean, how do you, how do you prioritize and, and take notes and how do you know what is important? And that's the other thing. Getting in the right state. 
right. to actually learn and read that. That's a great point because the the second supervillain, so the first one's digital oh, overload, digital. Okay. right? It's like, you know, too much overload. It's like taking a sip of water out of fire hose, right? There's too much and everyone's drowning in information, but they're starving for like practical wisdom. That's why shows like this are so important because it gives people not only inspiration, but also the instruction, you know, what to do. Cause someone could be you know, inspired, not know what to do, or someone could be completely instructional and it's kind of boring and somebody doesn't do it, right? So knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power. It only becomes power when we apply it. Right. Right. People could be listening to this show, but if they're not using the information, then it's kind of not, not right. It's like the same thing of listening to podcasts or buying self-help books or going to see coaches or classes. Right. You're like, I get it. And then you leave. And then what do you do? Because and here's the thing, because we could talk about things. And I mean, when I talk about memory and focus and reading faster, it might be common sense, but common sense is not common practice. And that's the big challenge. And so the second um, villain I would say is besides digital overload is digital distraction. Right? There's so much noise. There's so many things that are vying for our attention. People in their relationships, they're not even really present because their minds are so multitasking. And the research on multitasking, because everyone thinks that they're multitasking, they're able to, because we're on our smart devices all the time, you know, even at, you know, on dates and stuff, right? Like it's people are always on their I try to tell you guys and, not to be on your phone. And that's the, the thing. Because or in the, bed. Yeah. Right. Because it, it's very addictive. So one of the most important things that people could do if they want a higher quality of life, higher quality of relationship, higher quality of business. So successful people, they all have a to-do list, right? Successful people have a to-do list and these are all the things they need to do. Now for most people, it just keeps on growing, right? But also I've noticed that the happiest people and the most successful people also have a not to-do list, <laughs> right? These are things that they will not compromise and they will not do. And they are, they're, sometimes their not to-do list is actually greater and longer than their to-do like, list. Give me an example. Like so for example, on their not to-do list could be certain things like uh, certain emotions, certain foods that they just won't indulge in. Oh, here's, here's a perfect example. And somebody's, I know a lot of people are gonna be upset at me saying this, but as a coach, I have to you know, call people on their stuff. Something people should not do in the morning, first thing in the morning is, is go on their phone. They shouldn't. The first hour of the day is so important, it's sacred. It should be sacred for everybody because if you wanna win the day, you gotta win that first hour, right? But the challenge morning is- Morning routine, is, right, so important. The challenge is, is in the first thing in the morning, you know, you're in this in this brainwave state, alpha, theta state. So you cycle through these brainwave states throughout the day. Beta is your most awake, like we are now. Delta is when you're asleep. In between, there's theta and alpha. So theta is a state of creativity. That's a state of inspiration. That's where, you know what puts you in that state? Taking showers. You know when you're in the shower, yes. you're so creative, you come up with all these great ideas. Um, I took five showers just um, you know, just to prepare for this <laughs> conversation that we're having here. Um, so that's the that's the state where you're creating things. But the alpha state in between theta and beta when you're most awake, the alpha state is the state of relaxed awareness. Relaxed awareness is the state you're in um, when you're meditating. The state you're in when you know what it is? A lot of people go in this state when they watch television. So have you ever, seen, you know, have a friend right. or, or, you know, a significant other watching television, you're having a conversation with them, but they're not, yeah. they're, they're not, they're in a trance. They're right. just they're not watching even, the TV. Right. Exactly. So that, that trance is that alpha state. And so it's actually, we train people to go into alpha states, you know, in our courses to be able to learn languages faster, to be able to learn facts because information just goes right inside your mind and your conscious mind is not there filtering it out. And that's why people have to be very um, careful of what they watch on television because it's, it's programming them. I mean, it's actually called right. television, you know, programming, <laughs> programming right? right. Um, because that information just goes in unfiltered. And so, but that alpha state, you're very suggestible. Um, okay. For, so for people who have had, um, 
like successful uh, changes with like hypnosis. Uh-huh. They'll put you into an alpha state, and then they'll say you are a non-smoker, or you are you are healthy, and you're more likely to be able to adopt that belief. Can they do like you, you will always find your keys? Is that something exactly? They could do? Yeah, okay. you have a great memory every day and every way. You're getting better and better. You are focused. You know, you are you get things done. So when you're in that alpha state, you're highly suggestible. But my point in bringing this up is when you first wake up in the morning, you're in these relaxed states. So if the first thing you do in the morning, which is what most people do, is grab your phone. You're literally rewiring your brain for two things. Number one, you're rewiring your brain to be distracted, right? So every single time you get a like, a share, a comment, you're watching a cat video, whatever people are watching, (laughs) you get this dopamine rush. And the dopamine rush literally is the reward center, the learning center, the motivation center of your brain. And so so we did a podcast episode um, with Dr. BJ Fogg, and he runs the... uh, the Influence Lab at Stanford University. And one of his students actually co-founded Instagram, right? And this is a, this is an app where we open it, what, 150 mm-hmm. times a day? So it's highly addictive and, you know, habitual. But that's, that's what we want to be doing with our life for the positive things. Because here's the thing when we talk about habits. First, you create your habits, and then your habits create you. First, you create your habits, and then your habits create you back. So you have to be very conscious. But how many of us actually, they say upwards of 40% or more of your day is spent you know, unconsciously habitual. Like you're doing yeah. things out just out of, not even your mind's out of second But it's the creating nature. the habit. And I love, I love your podcast. So Jim has a podcast, the Quick Brain Podcast, which is actually the number one coaching podcast. Number one training podcast. Training podcast, which I love because it's so my, t- it's like bite-sized. It's like 10 minutes. Yeah, every episode is this. But like, I learned so much on it. I'm like, I can memorize names out, but I... Right. You're, how you use like mnemonics to yeah. So we could talk about some but, of these but we can tips go back here. to them. But yes, we will but, talk about these tips. But I was just mentioning that because I whatever you just said before that that I forgot remind me of your podcast. What so, were you just saying? I don't so want to get you. To, no, what we're talking about is distraction. So See? here's the thing: when you pick I'm up, I'm doing it in real time know, so now, just so you can help really, me. We are gonna you're gonna <laughs> tackle this. So anybody right now is, is struggling with. If you're listening to this right now and you're struggling with forgetfulness or you're struggling with focus, that's what we should get into. We are going to get into it. But you were saying your habits shape your life once you get your habits down. And so I have a lot of habits that Mm -hmm. I want to develop. Then I've tried. It takes 21 days or 30 days. Like So not touching your phone first thing in the morning because you're training and rewiring your brain to be distracted. And so that's literally why people can't focus, you know, in your relationship and your, your, your other, you know, your partner wants your attention. That's really what they want, right? They don't necessarily want gifts. They want the gift of your presence, right? They want you to be there. And so we could talk about how to be more present, but the main idea here is if you don't touch your phone, you're not, that, that way we're not rewiring your brain to be distracted because the second thing that you're rewiring your brain for in the morning, if you're touching your phone is not only training your brain to be distracted, but you're training your brain to be reactive, and this is huge because, mm-hmm. you know, as you're listening to this, you want to create the best quality of life for yourself and for the people that you care about. You want to be the best version of yourself. But if you're just re- replying and responding to everything in the world. So, for example, like if if you're checking your messages, your voice messages, text messages, your emails, basically you're fighting fires. You're, you're looking at everybody else's, you know, needs for you. And when do you get to your needs? And you don't want to start your day. You know, my friend Brendan has this saying, the saying that your inbox is nothing but a convenient organizational system for other people's agenda for your life. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break, give a shout out to our sponsors because we love them and we'll be right back. I'm always proud to tell people that just over half of Sex with Emily listeners are men. 
It's great to know that so many guys are looking to improve their sex lives, and I'm so happy to help. And sometimes your issues require more than just advice. Roman is a men's health company that provides remote online diagnosis of erectile dysfunction, as well as convenient monthly deliveries of the appropriate medications. Roman is more than just a source for little blue pills. They want to help men be proactive about their health. What I've noticed is by the time many guys are ready to ask for help, the problem has been going on for a while. Because ED can be a sign of underlying health issues, it's important to get medical advice, and Roman makes that easier than ever. Here's how it works. Go to GetRoman.com slash Emily and complete a five-minute survey that covers your medical history and symptoms. In as little as two hours, a U.S. licensed physician will review your information and, if appropriate, prescribe medication. Once everything is approved, Roman's Pharmacy Network delivers your medication to your door. They even handle refills automatically. Think of Roman as an extension of your primary care physician. They encourage in-office visits and regular care and will even give you a $20 discount if you see a doctor and send results after you've joined. So guys, please take your health seriously and visit GetRoman.com slash Emily today. For a limited time, my listeners can save $50 on their first month. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Emily. Here's a listener email I recently received, and let me tell you, it's not the only one of its kind. Hi, Emily. I'm a 38-year-old single mom who wants to get back on the dating scene, but I'm terrified. I've been dealing with bladder leakage and actually started wearing pads every day just to be safe. Between the leaking and the pads, I'm totally insecure about spontaneous intimacy with a new partner. How can I move past this? Well, first, let me tell you that she's not alone. It's actually estimated that 40 million women use pads every day for bladder leaks young, old, with, without kids. But let me tell you, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There are solutions though, and it's not just pads. The Apex by Pormois is an affordable device that uses gentle electrostimulation to create an extremely effective Kegel workout automatically. Not only does a strong pelvic floor help prevent the old sneeze and pee situation, it can increase the strength and frequency of your orgasms, which should also help make you want to get intimate again. Similar to the intensity that I've spoken about for years, the Apex delivers the same results without the rabbit vibrator functions, making it the perfect option for women who are sensitive to stimulation. To start using an Apex and stop relying on pads, visit pourmoi.com slash Emily. That's P-O-U-R-M-O-I dot com slash Emily. Why are people doing that first thing in the morning, you know, getting out of their zone when they should be just focusing on what their vision is for their day, for their vision, for their family, for their loved ones, because it doesn't happen by accident, right? So what do you do in the morning? So what I do, so one of the most popular episodes for me was the, uh, my morning routine. There are 12 things I do every single morning to be able to jumpstart my brain. And so the things I don't do is I don't touch my phone first thing in the morning, right? So because it drives you to distraction, it drives you to be reactive and you don't want to Leave it outside yourself. the bedroom, I always say. Like- yeah, at the very least, your phone is on airplane mode, but I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I do. First thing in the morning, I wake up and I go through a six step process for remembering my dreams. And now you're like, Jim, like, why do I want to remember my dreams? Why is that important? People don't realize the human brain, you're learning all through the day. You're solving problems as an entrepreneur all day. But when you go to sleep, your brain doesn't shut off. If anything, your brain is more active when you're sleeping. And here's what it's working on. It's working on integrating information. It's taking short-term to long-term memory. It's solving problems for you. But when you wake up, what happens with your dreams? Most people forget their dreams because they don't have a process for doing so. But the reason why you want to remember your dreams. So for example, in, in culture, a lot of literature and and film and movies and art and science actually was created in dream states. So for example, Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein in her dream, right? Um, 
Paul McCartney came up with the song yesterday mm -hmm. in his dream. The sewing machine was created in Elias's house dream. <laughs> so inventions, you know, the periodic table was was created in uh, that framework was created in a chemist's dream. So what are we dreaming about late at night that we're forgetting about, right? So the first thing I do is I remember my dreams, and I did a whole podcast episode on that. But how do you remember them? I took a class in college about how to remember your dreams. So then we had to analyze it, like using like young whatever one means in your dream, like the Jungian character that you're the. Animus and that, but yeah, you're just saying this is not not interpreting this is dreams, not interpreting but actually dreams. how it's to about remembering how them. remembering them. The second thing I do, um, which everyone I suggest you know give it a try. Most people probably are doing this already. Is I make my bed, and you're like, why is making your bed so important to your brain? Well, first of all, your brain likes and thrives in a clean environment. But the reason why I do it is because how you do anything is how you do everything. Right, you're constantly training your brain and creating habits. How you do anything is how you do everything. So you want to start your day with excellence, right? You take one or two minutes, make your bed perfectly, like they do in the military, right? Because they want to train excellence, impeccability. Because how you do it is how you're going to do other things, you know, at work, in your relationship, and so on. But you get to start with success. And the other reason why you want to make your bed is because when you come back at the end of the you know night, you come back to success, right? You go full circle. Third thing I do is I have a tall glass of water, so that's kind of obvious. Um, for, and I have some probiotics because your second brain, your gut is very important. But the reason why water is you lose, you can lose up to a quart of, of water a night just through you know perspiration, mm -hmm. respiration, and your brain is 70%, your brain and body are 70% water, and most people are dehydrated. So when you people are suffering from mental fatigue or mental fog, you know, the brain fog, the two things people should do before food is breathing and hydrating. So I, I have my water. The, the next thing I do is I brush my teeth and I brush my teeth. Actually, you're like, Jim, yeah, obviously everybody <laughs> brushes their teeth, but I actually have a switch on it. I actually brush my teeth with the opposite hand. And oh, this yeah. is really interesting research because uh, I was reading a study at Oxford University and they said that jugglers actually have bigger brains that learning how to juggle actually creates more white matter. And which is important because as your body moves, your brain grooves. Like we know that science, that that your brain controls your body, right? That God forbid, you know somebody who has had um, head trauma or a stroke on the left side of their brain. If there's paralysis, it'll show up on the opposite side because there's a brain-body connection. What science is finding out now is not just a brain-body connection, but a body-brain connection. That using your body in certain ways actually stimulates different parts of your brain. And so using your opposite hand actually stimulates the right side of your brain because it's cross-lateral. Anything below the neck is on the opposite side. And so why do you want to stimulate the right side of your brain is because we live right now, you know, in today's economy, there are three forces that weren't there before that what's going on with jobs and careers. So for you, for your, you know, for your significant other, it's, there's three A's. There's AI, there's automation, and there's Asia, meaning that the jobs right now are either, you know, AI, you know, right. computers, intelligence, or automation. A lot of jobs are being, you know, put into like software, Tell, you know, yeah. you're, you're, if you're doing your taxes, you know, you have software that could do that now. It's all automated or things are being outsourced to other countries. Right. And so the ones, the, the superpowers that I think are going to be very important, you know, in this, in this age that we're in right now are the powers of the mind, right? Because if knowledge is power, learning is your superpower. And superpowers of creativity, the superpowers of imagination, the superpowers of strategy. And those are our right brain processes. So wait, to ask you about the toothbrushing thing, if you're right-handed, you should brush with your left hand? The opposite Or do you just switch hand. it up every day? Human beings like routines, right? But it's nice to be able to switch it up because 
the, the reason why I'm so excited about the brain is because we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 20 years than the previous 2,000 years combined. And when you think about the research being done on you know, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, it's basically saying you could grow older, but you could grow better, right? And so neurogenesis means neuros like the brain, genesis meaning birth. You create new brain cells to the day you die, which is really exciting, right? Neuroplasticity is saying your brain is like plastic, it's not plastic, but it's mm. it's malleable right. and you can make new connections. So Einstein's brain wasn't any larger than anybody else's brain. It was actually smaller, but there were parts of his brain that were very dense because he would do these thought experiments where he put himself in that theta state we talked about and he would imagine himself riding a beam of light and looking at what the environment looks like to him when he's going at light speed and so on. And he had that, that was very right brain, but he was able to have left brain, you know, science and math right. and formulas to be able to, you know, what he's known for. But those thought experiments are really important because of those creativity experiments, because those are all going on in the right brain. Dr. Lawrence Katz did research with seniors, wanted to find out how to keep seniors' brains alive and agile and focused and their memory strong, came up with these very simple exercises that not only seniors, but everybody should do. So for example, brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, for example, eating with the opposite hand. When it comes back to neuroplasticity, the key to neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, creating new brain cells and new connections, two things, novelty and nutrition. Novelty and nutrition. It's just like the human body. If I want to build a muscle, I need to stimulate it and work it out, right? That's novelty. But then I have to feed that muscle with nutrition and same thing with our brain power also as well. It's nice to be able to seek out new challenges, new things, because as your body moves, your brain grooves. As your body moves, your brain grooves. So moving to, so also like a lot of times when I'm like learning or listening or listening to books or podcasts, I'm running, I'm moving. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, that's how you, or even walk around the office talking, brainstorming. Like yeah. When you're moving, that's how you. Yeah. When you move, you create these brain derived nootropic factors that actually help and aid actually in the uh, process of learning. So if you're doing something rhythmic, especially if you're on the treadmill or the elliptical and you're listening to a podcast, that will actually help you to retain it better also as well. But the goal is novelty. And so changing your routine a little bit, even using the opposite hand gets you present in the moment because a lot of people are so distracted. They're always in the future or they're in the past or their mind is somewhere else, but doing something novel in the in the present gets you right there. Exactly. You know, they talk gets about you focused. The, that's yeah, important that's, for couples too. I'm always like, the reason why things have gotten a little stale or boring is because you guys, it's not new to you anymore. So the more couples can try new things together, play together, right. stay and together. The, and the, those are those human needs. Like, you know, when we're talking about love is that certainty and that trust that something is there and it's dependable. But on the other side of love, you have, you have passion, which is like something that's more unpredictable, more spontaneous because the brain loves novelty. Because every single time you have that novel novelty, you have dopamine, mm -hmm. right? And even, you know, with sex also, it's the same thing, right? Your brain is completely alive. They did um, a study with mice and they had mice that had a, a one night stand, if you will. <laughs> and in terms of memory, um, it didn't make a difference. But those that had chronic sex, literally sex every single day for 14 days, they had a larger hippocampus, which is the storehouse for, for memory. Right. Um, so we so, they need to have more sex. So dope that dopamine. But they have to change it up after 14 days because then they got bored and it shrunk. <laughs> I'm saying their brain, their hippocampus shrunk. No, right? I get what you're saying though. So novelty so. is important. So the next thing I do is I just brush my teeth right. with the opposite hand. <laughs> okay. um, what I do after that though is I... Um, and my morning routine is I take a cold shower and people God, thought, I've heard about know, this. Is it fully cold or warm and then cold at the end? You could go cold and then hot. 
How long do I have to be cold for? So the thing is, so the reason why you take a cold shower is it resets your nervous system and it lowers inflammation. So inflammation, they say, um, some of the research suggests that inflammation leads to a lot of diseases and challenges. And so it lowers inflammation. Just like if you, um, if you bang your knee on the coffee table, you put ice on it to reduce the swelling and the inflammation. Same thing with cold therapy. And so cold shower I like wakes cryotherapy. Up. Similar to that. On that. Right. I can do that. I can't do the shower thing. I can try. Like for like 30 seconds. Right. Maybe. And so you could circulate between cold, hot, cold, hot. And it's not like taking an ice bath or something, but it's good. Even ice baths, you know, when they do studies with that and testosterone, and it's, it's really fascinating. So from there, I, um, I go and actually make a brain tea and I do some journaling first thing in the morning. A brain tea, uh, you know, simple. I put Coca-Cola, uh, ginkgo, lion's mane. I put some honey, but it really it just helps me to focus and I just journal. And that's where I write down. Notice I haven't even touched my phone yet, but I write down the three things I want to accomplish that day professionally and personally. And I do not tackle, like I don't even open my email, you know, inbox until I get at least one thing done. And so that, On that's that list, very okay. Yeah. Is it three total or three personal, three professional? Yeah, three things professionally and three things personally. And that's my thing because most people have an inbox, you know, most people have a, a to-do list of hundreds of things. I'm looking for, you're familiar with the Pareto's principle, right? The 80-20 rule mm -hmm. that 20% of your efforts give you 80% of the rewards and the return. I really look at the first domino, meaning that there's certain things on your to-do list that really could get rid of all the other things if you could be able to do it. The challenge though is a lot of people avoid those big things. And I have a, a general belief that if you just procrastinate and put things off and you do the easy thing, then life is hard. Like we always do the easy things all the time, right. you know, and just, you know, sabotage and everything and just put things, difficult things off, life gets difficult. But if we do the difficult things in life, then life gets easy. Right. You know, that difficult conversation that you're supposed to have at work or with your partner. Um, yeah, you gotta just, don't. it's so true. Like they always say, yeah, do the hardest thing first. And the most successful people I know over the years, probably over the last 15 years of, I've gotten a lot of advice, but it's always like, do the hardest thing first, which I've not yet adopted. There's a science behind it also, because there's study done in decision-making and decision fatigue. What it concludes is this, is we can only make a certain amount of good decisions a day. All of us, we're limited. And once we've made all those decisions, we're done. Like we could be at a restaurant looking at a menu and we really, we can't even decide what we want for dinner because we've spent all of it. And that's why, you know, um, there was like a viral video of me talking about this, but I was talking about the reason why Mark Zuckerberg wears the same sweatshirt almost you know, yeah. every day or Tony Shea wears the same Zappos t-shirt. And you ask them is because they don't want to waste one of their decisions on what am I going to wear yeah. that day? Exactly. Right. They want to think about other things. And they've done this research with surgeons specifically because that's what happens is after they're making, you know, they make all their good decisions, just like any human beings, they start making more errors. And you know where a lot of errors actually come from going back to distraction is um, multitasking. Multitasking and is, I've heard so many different things. Mostly I hear that it's bad for us, that you should multitask to just focus. And then you hear other people and it's probably the multitaskers who are building these studies saying like, no, 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 you can actually get a lot more done if you, um, your brain needs to be wired and all yeah. these ways, yeah, stimulated. So, so, so what's the deal So I would that? side on this um, for those of you people listening. You feel like, <laughs> you feel like you're, some people who are listening to this right now can identify like, oh yeah, I multitask all the time. And these are the same people that always brag about how busy they are with everything. And first of all, these are two different things. So I would say, first of all, stop bragging about how busy you are. Most times you ask somebody out of habit, we say, oh, we're so busy. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we say that is because, oh, if we're so busy, then you must be important 
right? You must right. be very, you know, there's very special. And the problem with doing so by getting, I think people start wearing it like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. It's just like you start doing it, you start training yourself to be busy and you start building your life around that. Yeah, I've stopped saying that to be like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Because I, I have, and we've been working on time management and all that, but it makes people feel less actually. It doesn't make me feel important. And other people are like, oh, you're so busy all the time. It's just, we all have the same amount of time in a day. We do. We and that's, that, that's the imagine. one constant we, that we all have. Everybody here, we everyone makes different amounts of money. We have, we have right. different connections. We have different levels of education, but we all have the same amount of time, right? right. We all have the same 86,000, whatever, exactly. four, 400 uh, seconds in a day. So, there are so many ways that we could work together right now. If you were going to do, we talked about this, you're like, I'll live coach you. Yeah, let's just jump into it. Well, let, let's close off this idea. Oh, and then there was a third thing that you need to go back yeah, to. Yeah, that was impressive. Know, you, did, you, didn't even, you didn't even write that down. That, that was good. Okay, so here, here, here we go. So, okay. So the third thing that you, you, the digital, so you have digital overload, digital distraction, and you have digital dementia, which we talked about. That's outsourcing our brains. You mentioned GPS. That basically is saying that if we rely on a piece of technology to tell us when and where to turn, we're not realizing when we are having memory lapses. So maybe we're not going to the doctors to get checked out and all that stuff. But going back to distraction and multitasking, where I side is that multitasking, there's no such thing as multitasking. So if you're listening to this right it's now, like you feel like- failing Right, really. <laughs> because if you feel like you're doing two things at once, you're actually, you're not. You're not able to do two cognitive activities at once. So, you know, yes, you could ride a bicycle and listen to a podcast, but you can't do two you know, different kinds of thinking. And what you're really doing instead of multitasking is you're doing task switching, task switching. You're actually going from one task to another. But here's the problem and the drawback is every single time you go from one task to another, you lose time. It takes anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes just to get your focus and your flow back. Mm -hmm. Five minutes to 20 minutes. So you're losing all that time. But the second thing is you're making more errors. You're making more mistakes. People who multitask have been shown to make more mistakes. And so that's why when it comes to focus, just focus on one thing until it's done. And I recommend people actually do things in about 25, 30 minute increments. And the reason why, yeah, yeah, because the studies are saying that in terms of our focus, that after about 25, 30 minutes, it starts to dip. And, um, and they call this the Pomodoro technique, Pomodoro. It's where you set your phone alarm to go off every 25, 30 minutes, because that's when you're going to start losing productivity. And then what I recommend people do is do a, you know, a quick five minute brain break and do three things. You do three things during the brain break. You do number one, you move because as your body moves, your brain grooves. Right. So when you take a break um, from work or from anything else, you move your body first. The second thing you do is you hydrate because your brain is mostly water. And so you need to be able to hydrate. And the third thing that you do is deep diaphragmic breathing. And that's important. Most people, the reason why they have brain fog or they have mental fatigue, which people talk about all the time. They're fatigued, they're frustrated. Everyone's tired, anxious. Right, even when they're reading, right? They're reading and they get, have you ever done this? Have you ever read a page in a book, got to the end and just forgot what you just read? Uh, Yes, absolutely. And you go back and you reread it and you still don't know what you just read. Because there's anxiety, like I can't believe I didn't read it, I can't believe I didn't remember. Right, and there's so much stress and there's fatigue there also because most people are reading improperly so it takes so much effort and that's why their eyes get tired. Right. You know, a lot of people use reading as a sedative, right? There's this token book by their bed that they've been reading for an embarrassingly long period Mm -hmm. of time and the reason why it's a challenge is, remember going back to long-term memory, information combined with emotion is long-term memory but if you're using reading, bore you into falling asleep, that means that's not a good association to have. Because here's really the key. All learning is state dependent. 
all learning is state dependent. So in order to be able to learn something new, you want to get yourself in that mood or that feeling, that emotion that, you know, higher than a zero. Because but that's different for everyone, right? Or is it not? Do you teach the best way for people to actually learn and read? Yeah. So what I ask people to do right now, even right now, okay. on a scale of zero to 10, like, you know, note, note everybody who's listening to this right now, zero to 10, how do you feel? Like on a scale of zero to 10. But here's here's the thing. A lot of people come up with a number, whatever. Maybe it's a five or it's a six. What I would suggest people to do is like, what does it take to become a seven mm-hmm. or an eight? Because if you can't manage something unless you can measure it, right? And that's the thing. The problem is when it comes to our feelings, like recently I got to introduce two, two superheroes, metaphorically, <laughs> together. Um, they wanted to meet each other. So we all went to dinner. It was Richard Branson and uh, Stan Lee. Like Stan Lee, like the, the co-creator of X-Men and Fantastic Four <laughs> oh. and Avengers, all my heroes, right? Spider-Man. And we're in the back seat. And I asked Stan, I was like, Stan, you, you know, you're, you're like, what, 90 something, you know, what, who is your favorite superhero and that you created? He's like, Iron Man. And he said, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And uh, Stan was wearing this, uh, this Spider-Man tie. Uh-huh. I posted it on Instagram and I was just like, Spider-Man. And he said, Jim, with great power comes great responsibility, right? right? And everyone knows that. And I grew up with these learning difficulties. I had dyslexia and all these challenges. And so I reverse everything in my mind. I was like, Stan, you're right. With great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility Mm -hmm. comes great power. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something in our life, we have great power to make things better. Especially entrepreneurs, right? Because we value our freedom so much and we want to be able to do what we want, when we want, for as long as we want, with whoever we want, you know, all that. But we look at something like discipline or as something like a prison, something we have to do. And really, if you can't get yourself to do what you need to do, then you're in prison. So in actuality, discipline, you know, really is freedom. Right. right. So discipline is freedom because if you can't get yourself to do the things you need to do but to I make your life we better. I all want to do all of these things. Like I want to be disciplined. I want to, and I'm like, you guys are making myself sound. <laughs> I obviously get a lot done, but I'm saying I'm also, I really want to be the best version of myself. And I think everybody does. And I think we all like have paid for the gym membership and not showed up or committed to quitting something on the first of the year. I'm going to call my mom every Sunday. I'm going to do all these things. It's a much bigger question, but I think everyone's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah. How, what, like, where do you, where do you start? Yeah. The no. morning routine, well, which I, I think say- is important. Well, I think the first but morning of the day, again, you want to you want to win you want to win that so that we have positive momentum. But when it comes to um, when it comes to doing the things that you need to do, it's there's things there's reasons why I put things off. So I would say if like if everyone here has something that they're procrastinating on, I think we all do, right? Because we're human beings. Things that we put off, why do we do that? So I would say there's a success formula, and I call it H cubed. It goes from your head to your heart to your hands. And so you could keep things in your head all day, your goals, your vision, your goal, your, your, your outcomes for your work. And you set all these different objectives for your relationship or whatever it is, vision boards or everything. But if it stays in your head and doesn't, you don't act on it with your hands, nothing happens, right? Cause it's not the law of attraction. It, it could be the law of attraction, but it's also the law of action. You, you have to do, do something, something about right? it, right? Cause the formula is be, do, have, share, right? You have to be something so you could do something that allows you to have something and then share it with other people. But if you're not able to use your hands, usually what's missing is a second H, which is your heart. And the heart 
heart is what? It's emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can't steer a parked car, right? You need you need fuel, you need energy. And so where's that emotion going back to state? Because all learning is state dependent because we're not logical. Like there's this phrase in business and when it comes to sales that people aren't logic. They don't buy logically. They buy emotional emotions, right? right? People because make people, decisions based exactly, on emotions because right? that, that's the heart because we're not logical. We're biological. Right. So how do you learn with emotion? So how am I reading with emotion or how am I reading in that state? Like, for example, if I want to read more, like what you're saying is bring the emotion. People are like, I feel things, I'm, but I think yeah. we also shut so, so off going, So going back to responsibility, you know, when we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make things better. And the, really what people want to identify with, we learn through, human beings learn through metaphors all the time, right? We compare things to things that we already understand. So the metaphor I would offer everybody here is to be a thermostat, not a thermometer, Right. You want to be a thermostat. You don't want to be a thermometer. So like like we were just talking about temperature in the room, right? And if you, if you look at the a thermometer on the wall, what's its job? Like a thermometer just reacts right. to the environment. It just responds to mm-hmm. the environment. That's all it does. But a thermostat's something different. A thermostat sets a temperature. It sets a goal. It sets a vision. And what happens in the environment? The environment changes. And so I would say to the degree that we are happy with mm-hmm. our lives, to the degree we have feel like we have control, like we're all a thermometer. Right. You know, sometimes you know, we react to the weather. We react to what's going on in a relationship. We react to the government. But to the degree we could have autonomy and that sovereignty, meaning like we have that power inside of us, if right. you will, and we could be a thermostat and not be as affected. But you really want to be responsible for how you feel. Like, so for example... Like, yeah. like sit right now the way you'd be sitting if you're really interested in what I was I am. Saying. I actually literally, you guys, my staff could tell, I'm so, I'm you are. looking at my laptop. I've never been so far. Have you ever seen No, no, you're, you're very, so like, and here's the thing. But when, <laughs> literally, this is it and it's and so fleeting. Everybody, so everybody, right? but everybody else. agree this is my focus This state? is. And that's the thing, because you know. I've been looking at my phone. I've got texts coming yeah. in, Jim. I'm not looking. Because you know your, physio- so many, you know your physiology yeah. affects your psychology. But I was more, you know, even people who are listening to us oh, right yeah. now, like if you were to sit or stand the way, be, if you're interested, you know you could change your mood or your state based on just moving your body. Because as your body moves, your brain grooves in right. all those different ways. So if I was a magic genie right now and I could snap my fingers and, and, and fix anything and make anything better, you know, what would you, what would you wish for? In the world or in my life? For me. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't want to sound... Okay, good. I can brain. be selfish right now. No, for, for, for your brain. For your brain. Um, like, what would, focus. What would, what Literally what would, focus and attention. Yeah. What would like make your life easier? What would make your life better? My three biggest challenges are focus, prioritizing, and I've been doing speeches lately and I try to memorize and I don't do that ever. I mean, so, but I practice it enough. I'm really good. But sometimes when I'm going in and I'll have a little cue card, nothing, it doesn't work. But I feel like because I didn't practice it enough. So I have challenges with all these things, Jim. You can just pick one. It's a potpourri, really, <laughs> of, of, of challenges. I would, I would take help in any of those areas and I believe that they would change my life. Okay, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about, let's talk about forgetfulness and focus. Okay. So there are three keys to having a better memory. Let's start there, okay? Because there is no learning without memory. Like you could learn all the things that you want, but everyone knows there's a learning curve, but what a lot of people don't know is there's a forgetting curve, right? And you know this because none of us studied back in school. What did we do the night before? What, nothing? Yeah. What, I crammed or I- Yeah, it's like we don't study for, right. We don't study for weeks and then the night before we pull all-nighters and then the next morning, 
nobody could talk to you at breakfast because you don't want anything to spill out of your mind and mm -hmm. you can't wait to take the test. And after you take the test, what happens to that information? It's gone. It's gone. I'm so glad it's over with. And it's I still completely. do. I still sadly or, or challenging. I still go through still to have things like right. that, like so that, that happen. To that's, me. that's the, that's the forgetting curve. They say that within 48 hours of learning something, 80% of it is gone. So you could read a book, you could go to a conference, you could listen to a podcast. Within two days, 80% of it disappears. And so that's not a really good return no. on your time and your money. So what I would say is um, there are three keys that keep you from doing this. So there are three keys. M-O-M. -M. I want you to remember mom. So we'll make this really easily mm -hmm. memorable. People come to me all the time saying like, Jim, you know, I, I want a better memory, but that's the equivalent of going to a personal trainer saying, I'd I like want to a better be, body, right? <laughs> you know, I like, yeah, I want to be better at sports. Like what sports specifically do you want to get better at? So let's apply that towards names. You mentioned names and faces, right? You meet so many people. Yeah. I always thought that um, in college, which is one of my challenges. I'm like, I don't remember names. Oh, and by the way, I don't remember faces. Right. Which is terrible. People feel disrespected. They feel, well, you know, and guys, I have to tell you, guys' names are like Matt, Bob, Jim, Joe, right, John. You, They're all one syllable, syllable. Like in college, I was like, I don't know. It's just, his name's probably John. Right. And you forget somebody's name and you come up with like, whoa, how do you, you know, you come up with little techniques like, oh, how do you spell your name again? Yeah. And they go, B O. -B. Oh, yeah. That was the worst. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be like, no, I mean your last name. Right, right. Right. Exactly. So we come up with these kind of tricks. But the main idea, so let's, let's apply this towards remembering names. Okay. Right. So everybody could be, I think everyone struggles with remembering names. So remember M-O-M. -M. So let's say every, you have trouble remembering names, but there is a suitcase here of a million dollars cash mm -hmm. for you, tax-free, for you oh. and your favorite charity. Okay. If you just remember the name of the next stranger you meet, are you going to remember that person's name? Hell yes. Yes. Now notice, did it have anything to do with your capabilities? No. No. It had everything to do with your motivation. Right, so M, the first M in mom stands for motivation. And this is so important because again, as a coach, I'm not necessarily telling you something that you don't know, but I'm telling you what you know when you're doing things right. And so motivation is key to learning anything. Like, perfect example, <laughs> you don't remember all names, but I guarantee you, you don't forget all names either. True. Right, there's some names of people that you we all remember. We remember somebody that could be good for our business or our work. We remember people that we're attracted to, right? Much more than we're, you know. So well, we're attracted to them exactly. Right. And so motivation <laughs> is key, right? So intent matters. So what I would say is, ask yourself this simple question: you know, why do I want to remember this person's name? Just ask yourself in your mind when you're meeting someone brand new. Ask yourself, why do I want to remember this person's name? But what Maybe, if I don't? What if I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. never so, see so him again. So here's the thing. So here's here's that that's a perfect example. Maybe it's to show the person respect. Maybe it's to make a new friend. Maybe it's to do some business. Maybe it's to practice these things yeah. you learned from Jim. I'm right? going to do it to practice. I'm right? going to want to remember everyone's because, name. Because if you can't come up with right. one reason, you're not going to remember because this is what you want to remember. Reasons reap results. Reasons reap results, right? And so if you can't come up with a reason, you won't get the results. So come up with something, even if it's to practice because what you practice in private, you're rewarded for in public. What, you're, what you practice in private, you're rewarded for in public. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I recently I was on set, you know, I saw a lot of actors. The first thing I thought was masturbation. I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, but is that really true? But that helps pu publicly, right? I don't know, it depends what you're into. Okay, but go so, ahead. Yeah. So for example, I help a lot of actors speed read scripts or um, remember their lines faster. And I was on set uh, with Will Smith recently, and he was filming at nighttime. And I was asking him this question. I was like, you know, how do you, you, you just hurry up and wait? You're just waiting three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, just to be, you know, go. And I was like, how do you, how do you just, how do you get ready? You know? And he looked at me, he's like, Jim, you know, I don't have to get ready. 
I stay ready. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. because this is, this is what I'm saying is when you're listening to this, I want you to start identifying more with being a memory expert because you don't forget everything. You remember a lot of things. It's only you know, a handful of things we forget all the time, but he just stays ready because what he practiced, he's rewarded for, you know, what he practiced right. in private, he's rewarded for in public, but same with us. And the thing is, is like our, I believe, I have this core belief that the life we live are the lessons we teach. The life we live are lessons we teach for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a boss or as a parent, people don't do what you say, they do what you do. True. And the reason why is because in your nervous system, that part of the brain, you have these things called mirror neurons. And mirror neurons literally are your imitation like nerve cells. And that's what empathy or part of empathy comes from. You watch you're watching a movie and you could feel what mm-hmm. the characters are going through because you're you're going right. through it also. And that's why children learn so quickly because they're so tuned into that also as well. But my, my my main reason why I'm bringing this up is because the preparation and the motivation. So ask yourself, how why? does he stay ready? Like, what does that mean? He stays ready. Is that what you're talking about? Motivation? Like he's always motivated the first M? No, when he's so, no, he's prepared. Okay. So that's the thing. Like, just like with you, like when, you know, before we even got, when we started yeah. recording, like we, we had this whole like talking about like, how do you prepare for interviews and conversations? How do you prepare before you go on stage? And especially even the, see the, so when it comes to names, so the bad news is mm-hmm. it takes effort. The good news, it doesn't take as much as you think. Right. Right? I believe that. So, you know, because practice, you know, practice what? Practice makes... Perfect. Progress. Progress. Perfect. (laughs) Nothing, nothing's perfect. Right, exactly. Or perfect practice. It's true that practices make progress. And I've tried with names. I'll be like, oh, nice to meet you, Jane. And then, hi, Jane. (laughs) So I've done that because they say repetition, but that doesn't help me either. Okay, so start with motivation. So first, really, let's... And now, now, here's the thing. The reason why you want to remember people's names is because... People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their future, their health, you know, their anything, you know, anything that you have to offer them if you don't care enough just to remember your name, right? Their name. Jim, that's and a really so, good point. <laughs> so the, the name is the sweetest sound to a person's ears. When we're mm-hmm. talking about emotions, think about the first word that you learned how to write. You know, it's probably your name. Mm-hmm. And think about the emotions, the reinforcement you were given, you know, when you were able to do that yeah. right. So tap into the motivation, head, heart, hands. Always tap into the emotion part. The O in mom. So everyone, everyone in the room do this. Just shake out, okay. shake out, shake out your right, your, just one hand, just one okay. hand. Right, your right hand like this. Make a fist. Put it to your chin. Now, come on, where's your chin? Oh, he did his, the side of no, his no, head. No, no, come on. And so I, I put it to, right, so I put it to your cheek and I said chin, but everybody puts it their cheek. But you see, the O in mom stands for observation. Oh. Observation. And here's the thing. A lot of people, when they forget names, they blame their retention. It's not your retention, it's your attention. The art of memory is the art of attention. And so observation is key. A lot of people, they're not forgetting the name. They're just not hearing the name to begin with. It's fair, right? Right. Like think about how many names we remember. Right. Like you have this supercomputer brain. It's the most advanced technology device in all the universe, you know, but you, so you can remember one or two words, but it's just, we're not paying attention. So here's an example. I'm going to, I'm going to drop another name (laughs) and I'm doing this. It's not to drop, to be a name dropper. I'm doing this because when you see these people on the news or in public or whatever, it'll remind you of the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So recently I went to a fundraiser, it's 2000 people. And I go to my assigned table and I sit down, I'm the first one there. And then um, Forrest Whitaker sits right next to me. Mm -hmm. And then Richard Branson sits next to him. And then Ashton Kutcher and Ashton's twin brother, which I didn't know he had a twin brother. And then 20 minutes into dinner, President Bill Clinton sits right next to me. Oh my God. And I'm like, and you wouldn't believe, like, 
you could literally <laughs> look at this photo on like on on Instagram, but it's believe, like it's like yeah. who photoshopped that Asian dude in that, in that photo, right? <laughs> and so right. I, I I go there and I'm like, you know, he and I had met him once before briefly, but he remembered my name. Like Bill? How, yeah, how many how many oh, how many people has has he met, right? But right. he remembered my name and he remembered our last conversation. Now the reason I bring this up is everybody knows, regardless of your political ideology, everyone could accept that he's a, he has great charisma, great mm-hmm. connector, great communicator. He's got an incredible memory. And I remember asking him, you know, you know, I'm a memory guy, like, how do you do it? What tricks are you using? He's like, Jim, you know, as when I was a kid, my grandfather would get all the kids around in Arkansas in the living room and would tell stories. And, but something different at the end though, he would actually quiz each of us separately to see if we're really paying attention and all this. Right. And I noticed when he's talking to me, I felt uneasy because he was just like, there with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So present that you're so, like, yeah, there's no room to look away, and, and look that, down. And we don't do that. He's got that power that you're like, oh my God, I met him at Nobu Sushi and, and, and that, Aspen. And that's and the thing. Died. Like he's not looking. And Hillary was there. Oh, and she was like totally So many people, you know, but that's not what we do though. Usually we're doing the opposite. When we're meeting people for the first time, we're looking over their shoulder and we're seeing who else is in the room. Or if we're not distracting ourselves outside, we're distracting ourselves inside. It's like we're talking to ourselves. Yeah, could you be going, oh my God, it's Bill Clinton. I can't wait it's Bill Clinton. Exactly. Like, you, you, what is he saying? And I do that t- during the show. So, I, mean, I do that everywhere. The internal we all thing, do. how do you stay and, present? And that's a perfect word for it. So I believe that, that President Clinton's incredible memory and his powerful presence with people comes from being powerfully present with people. And we could all do that. And it comes from observation because that's really what people want, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't want your gifts. They want the gift of your presence, right? right? Which is that's another true. word for gift. And so I feel like that if we could just, and just notice, I'm talking about motivation and observation. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just being a better human being, right? Mm-hmm. Just caring, being caring enough to want to remember, motivated to remember someone's name and just being present with somebody and observant. Mm-hmm. So that way we don't forget the person's name. So mm-hmm. I would say- that his incredible memory and his powerful presence comes from being powerfully present. And we could all do that because we could just listen. And that's all people want to do, right? Like, and you know this from the work that you do, you know, our significant other, they, they want to, they don't want to be invisible, right? They want to be seen and they want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And how better to be able to show people that than us being there with them, right? And so what I would say is the art of memory is the art of caring about somebody and being present with them and then mm-hmm. we'll remember it. But the last letter, M, stands for the mechanics. And these are not, this is not the person that fixes your car, but these are the tools, the techniques, the strategies on how to remember someone's name, how to give a speech without notes, how to learn a foreign language, how to read three times faster. This is the magic, teach me. So let's, let's jump into the mechanics. Hope you guys have been enjoying this interview with Jim Quick. We will be releasing part two tomorrow. You guys can find Sex with Emily now everywhere. Did you know that? iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio, which is so fun. So thanks so much for listening. Was it good for you? Text Ask Emily to 797979. I know I talk a lot about sex toys for women, but not to worry, guys. Let me give you a helping hand. Well, actually, you're going to have to use your own hand or your partner's hand. So let me tell you all about the new Flesh Skin from Fleshlight. The Flesh Skin is a compact stroker unlike any other. It's open at both ends and has finger holes for the perfect grip. So whether you're using it on your own or letting your partner do the heavy lifting, it's a foolproof hand job helper. The combination of the comfortable grip, the ability to vary the pressure, and Fleshlight's ultra-realistic silicone will let you in and all the sex toy fun. 
Just grab some water-based lube and use the flesh skin to add a whole new range of sensations to your penile pleasure. Trust me, if you've been looking for a way to perfect masturbation, hand jobs, or any kind of penis play, the flesh skin is the way to go. Just visit sexwithemily.com slash fleshlight. That's sexwithemily.com slash fleshlight to order your flesh skin today.